Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. When Apple announced Playgrounds 4, I decided that this will be the time that I finally sit down to SwiftUI and uh, learn how it works. Uh, because before, uh, I only scratched the surface of it. Uh, I haven't had a chance to use it so much, especially in production. That looked like a perfect, perfect uh, point in time to, you know, okay, we are, I'm learning SwiftUI, I'm gonna do an app. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. In this episode, we're joined by Pavel, the creator of an awesome tool for developers called Playground Tester. Playground Tester is a SPM package that enables testing apps developed using Playgrounds 4 with an automatic test discovery and execution. In this episode, we chat about this new tool and its experiences with Playgrounds 4. With that said, I just want to remind everyone that you can now financially support iPad Pros in two different places. First off, patreon.com slash iPadPros. Get episodes early and with embedded MP3 chapter markers by supporting the podcast at any tier. Bonus content is also available at the higher tiers. You can also now subscribe to iPad Pros in Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts is an all-inclusive single subscription. You'll get all of the bonus content plus episodes early by subscribing to the show in Apple Podcasts. By default, subscriptions are monthly, but if you go into your subscription settings in the Settings app, you can switch it to a yearly plan. My thanks to everyone that currently or has in the past supported the podcast financially. This podcast is not a quick one to produce, and your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. You can also support the podcast for free simply by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. No matter your region, it really does help. The reviews help send the right signals to Apple to show this podcast more in search, helping others discover the show. If you have a minute today, I'd really appreciate you opening up the podcast app and leaving a review. My thanks to everyone that has already done that. Without further delay, here's my interview. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Pavel. Can you first introduce yourself and kind of broadly how you use the iPad? Uh, yeah, hey team. Uh, thanks, thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, super excited to be here. Uh, so yeah, my name is Pavel, and I'm from Poland. Uh, I'm an iOS dev for for a couple of years already, almost nine, I think. Uh, when it comes to to using iPad, uh, I'm I'm not a pro user, so I'm probably gonna disappoint you here a little. Yeah. Uh, so before before Playgrounds four was released, uh, I used iPad mostly, you know, as kind of a web browser or just a tool uh, in my work that I tested uh, applications sure. that I were working on. Uh, but uh, since since it was re- released, I started playing with, with, with it a little more from a perspective of a computer, let's say, right? Uh, a very portable one at that. Uh, so I'm discovering all the hype around shortcuts and uh, doing some research how possibly I could leverage also those possibilities to help with with tools like uh, like Playground Tester that I released or maybe some some other things. Excellent. And what's your current iPad setup? <laughs> uh, so my current iPad is uh, a 2017 10.5 inch iPad Pro, a very trusty device. Uh, never had any issue with. I lo- I love that model. By the way, that was like <laughs> the last great home button iPad. Like it was fantastic. I, I think it's the last one that has uh, you know beveled sides, right? So uh, 
is it beveled or the cur- curvy sides? Yes, the the smallest the smallest bezels ever. Like the bezels on yeah. the 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 tall end of those are actually thinner than the uh, the newer design. Actually, um, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's thicker in a in a small case, right? In a yeah. protective case, but uh, definitely definitely a super thin device. Uh, still great battery power. Uh, I think when I'm using it for development, it easily lasts uh, a couple of hours. Uh, you know, without uh, without without charging. Uh, nice form factor. I was a little, a little jealous when uh, the new one came out, came out because I was fan, uh, a fan of the, uh, you know, original frame of uh, iPhone five. Yeah. Uh, the the blocky, edgy one, and when iPad copied that, uh, it looked good. Uh, but I agree that the dev- the newer devices look a little sturdier and heavier. Than, than that one. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned shortcuts. Yeah. Any interesting uses you have of that so far with your iPad? Um, well, uh, a small disappointment <laughs> on my <laughs> side because uh, uh, I was trying to, to automate one thing uh, by modifying some files in the uh, Playgrounds 4 project, uh, but I couldn't get, uh, get that to save properly. Maybe I'm missing something there. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it's the, the sandboxing rules of uh, iPadOS and uh, iOS uh, that prevent me from, from doing that, you know, from uh, from shortcuts context. Gotcha. Not, not to destroy the files, right? For yeah. someone. Yeah, there's, I, I heard there is some way of working with Playground files. I'm not exactly sure the mechanism of that. Um, I thought you could save them externally in like working copy or something to that regard. In uh, yeah, if, you know, for, for that regard, they basically get saved by default. They get saved on your iCloud drive, mm-hmm. and you can, for example, you can obviously freely uh, point your working copy to, to that, right? Yeah, uh, and and have Git set up there, and you can also freely freely share that files to, for example, a Mac. Yeah. and uh, modify them on Mac and uh, move for move back to to iPad for further development yeah so um, your background as developer can you share a bit about mm-hmm. you know how you learn the code and kind of where you are today in your development work mm-hmm. so uh, I think I first started coding uh, in high school when I was around 17 years old uh, it was a computer science class project uh, in Pascal of all languages. Uh, but it was, I guess, it was enough to get me, you know, hooked into into coding, into exploring that that part. Uh, I then did some experimenting in C, C plus uh, plus, Java, the like, let's say, the usual candidates, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's like not, nothing serious coming out of that, and uh, eventually I ended up studying computer science uh, at college. And during that time, uh, a friend of mine invited me to work with him on interactive books for kids for iPad, <laughs> and uh, we used C plus plus and Cocos to DX for that. Uh, that got me hooked into Apple ecosystem. Uh, which eventually meant I moved into Objective C and then into Swift for for development. Uh, yeah, excellent. So as a developer, you've worked with like teams of developers mm-hmm. where you're not the sole person. Now that Playgrounds is out, has that kind of inspired you to brainstorm what would it be to write your own app uh, for the first time? Mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah, I guess th- that's the dream, right? Uh, yeah. To publish to publish something out there that that at least a few people will enjoy, right? Uh, so uh, when when Apple announced Playgrounds Four, I decided that this will be the time that I finally sit down to Swift UI and uh, learn how it works, uh, because before uh, I only scratched the surface of it. Uh, I haven't had a chance to use it so much, especially in production. That looked like a perfect, perfect uh, point in time to, you know, okay, we are, I'm learning SwiftUI. I'm gonna do an app. Uh, I'm still juggling some ideas for that. Yeah. Uh, Still learning SwiftUI. Uh, Most of the ideas revolve mostly around probably a video game collection or a board game collection app or Possibly both. Okay. Uh, something you know, something that I personally use because that kind of drives me to. It makes me uh, know what use cases I want to have there, and something that's not too not too complicated, not to drag on for a lot of too too too, too much time. Right. Exactly. And the brainstorming for a new app for you, it really does come down to needs that you see yourself having that aren't necessarily filled by other apps out there. Uh, I guess that's uh, that's the easiest approach, at least yeah. from from my perspective, right? If you if you see something that uh, some some gap that is uh, that you could fill with with uh, a tool or an app, uh, and uh, I you have means to do that, then it's a perfect candidate to to get started. Especially since I, I'm not really. Uh, you know, uh, thinking about making it uh, my sole income, mm-hmm. uh, right? Yeah. So uh, it, it doesn't need to be uh, something that is uh, that the market needs, right? It can be a, a smaller a niche thing. Totally. Yeah. So, what has your experience been with the new Swift Playground or just Playgrounds Four? Has it been a good environment to work in? It's it's pretty good. Uh, you know, there was a lot of chatter uh, before even uh, Apple announced Swift Playgrounds for uh, folks were hoping. A lot of folks were hope, hoping, I guess, for for even for Xcode on iPad, right? Right. Uh, especially after they showed uh, that iPad Pros are gonna get M1 chips uh, and. Uh, like a week ago, we learned that iPad Air is gonna get uh, M1 chip. So uh, definitely, the gap between the iPad and the Mac is getting thinner and thinner. Yeah. Uh, at least hardware-wise, uh, from from software perspective, there's still some some parts missing. And yeah, when it comes to development, uh, you know, like writing code and things like that, it's not that much different on iPad than it's on Mac in Xcode. Uh, there are differences when it comes to, to working with that code, though, because, for example, uh, there is no debugger on in Swift Playgrounds 4, uh, which means that uh, when your app is running, uh, you can't really put a breakpoint on the line of code to, to stop the execution and inspect what's, what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or even worse, when you do get a crash while testing, uh, you don't get the full stack trace, so you cannot mm. inspect uh, every step that led to that crash. Uh, that's that's really uh, something that that is missing. Something that I'd really love to see introduced as the next thing, right? For, yeah. For Swift Swift Playgrounds, uh, because it 
kind of is like the most important tool. The, the very first and most important tool in, in developer's toolbox is to use the debugger uh, and inspect what the code is doing. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, something you've released alongside so, er, Playgrounds 4 is a tool mm-hmm. entitled the Playground Tester. Uh, so mm-hmm. where did the idea for this tool come up? What is it? You know, and how can developers use it? Mm-hmm. So um, testing is like a super important part of software development and all modern ideas, I guess, uh, provide some form of testing support. This is obviously true for Xcode, uh, but it's not the case for playgrounds on iPad uh, because you cannot even import uh, XCTest, which is a framework that's responsible for testing support in Xcode, right? Yeah. And playground tester uh, bridges that gap uh, it provides a set of assertion methods and uh, automatic test discovery functionality, uh, which uses some Objective-C runtime features, and then a dedicated view to present test results. Uh, the API is similar to how this is done in Xcode, so that everyone who already is familiar with XCTest should feel at home using Playground Tester. And you know, adding tests is also sim- as simple as, as there, you just add a class inheriting from test case. And if you have any non-private method starting with test, uh, there it will be automatically discovered uh, and run. Uh, and when it comes to you know how, how this happened, how the idea for that came, uh, so I saw a couple of uh, tweets and comments asking about those uh, around Twitter and uh, I guess probably Swift forums too and uh, on a Slack with a couple of friends. And I know this started lingering in the back of my head, how how to do that, how would that be possible? It just kind of, I started to rotating this idea in my mind. And uh, once I checked that Objective-C runtime methods uh, are available in Swift play, play, Playgrounds, um, I had a plan forming in my head for that. Uh, that that runtime magic is needed for this automatic test discovery, uh, which for me was like a very important part of this tool. Uh, because if you had to like register every me- every test method to be run, uh, then the ergonomics of of using this tool uh, were really lost right right uh so so this automatic discovery part is something that i'm a little proud of and i think it's it's you know the key point of of playground tester and so the actual test it's running it's testing like what's it's it's not a debugger because that's a different problem right yeah uh yeah 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 so um when you're writing uh software uh of any kind uh, you want to make sure that it works and that it keeps working when it keeps evolving, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, that's especially true uh, for, for teams where uh, developers change, uh, requirements change, the idea evolves, right? And uh, the tool change, uh, the app changes. So uh, to ensure that, to, to make us uh, safer and calmer, uh, we write unit tests, uh, which basically take uh, a piece of code, let's say a class or a method, right? And verify uh, some assumptions about it. Like uh, to give you a super simple example, uh, if you were to write a calculator app, 
you'd verify that uh, you know the method that's responsible for adding two numbers provides the correct result, right? Yeah. And then once you evolve that method. Uh, evolve the app. So, for example, you uh, allow the possibility to solve uh, complex linear equations there, right? So it's not a simple cal- calculator anymore, uh, but you still have all those tests that uh, tell you, okay, you added all these new features and all these old features you have, they still work as expected, even though you change the code around or even that code, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you have all the all that set of assertions that um, makes you should make you sure that uh, what was already there is still working as expected, uh, that you didn't accidentally break something. So, so yeah, so playground tester allows to write allows you to write unit tests. So basically, it. Uh, it will execute those methods that will test whatever you want to test, right? Yeah. That your business logic is working properly. Excellent. Yeah, that's very cool. And what's the early yeah. feedback been from people using this tool? Yeah, I got a lot of support from, from my friends and some extra ideas, which I really like. Uh, for example, uh, something I'm currently also working on uh, would be like a focus mode, uh, because right now, uh, all the tests get ru- get discovered and run. And in this focus mode, you'd uh, run, for example, a single test or a small subset of tests, uh, which could uh, help you with uh, something that's called test-driven development, uh, which is an approach that you write test cases first and then write the code to so that it fits those test case uh, it fits those test cases so that the tests yeah. pass so yeah you start with a failing test and then you know make it pass by providing correct code right mm-hmm. uh, so yeah that that's uh, a lot of support from friends and uh, community wise uh, I think it was also really great uh, for someone who isn't that much active uh, yet uh, on tech Twitter and, uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of followers. Uh, I still got, get a decent amount of traffic on the repo and, uh, two most surprising and really unexpected things uh, that happened, uh, was getting included in iOS Dev Weekly newsletter and getting invited here by you. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And it's cool to see these, you know, kind of tools building on what Apple released with playgrounds have, have you seen others in the community release tools that built on playgrounds to make this a more advanced environment to work in? Uh, not that I know of, uh, to be honest. But yeah. uh, I would wouldn't be surprised if there already was something or folks were working on something, uh, because I think there is a lot of potential there. Uh, from things uh, like adding support for generators and linters, like for example. Uh, sorcery for code generation or Swiftlint for uh, checking your code against a set of uh, guidelines, right? Yeah. Uh, or, for example, bridging some gaps that are still present in uh, in Playgrounds 4. Uh, one, one such thing, I recently learned that uh, when you add uh, images to, to your Swift Playgrounds uh, project, uh, they get treated as if they were in a non-retina scale. So, oh. because it, when you, yeah, <laughs> that's that's pr- pretty pretty bad. Yeah, uh, most uh, devices 
uh, or, or Retina these days, I would uh, imagine, yes. that are running um, yes. iOS uh, 15. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I also think, think so. Uh, <laughs> I think that's true. And so, you know, when you add an image, uh, an image resource to, to an Xcode project, uh, you can specify at what scale you you added it. If it's one x, two x, or three x, right? Yeah. Uh, where one x is obviously non retina, two x and three x uh, are are already retina. And um, yeah, so that's not possible natively on on iPad in Swift Playgrounds. You can export the project uh, onto a Mac, open it on a Mac, uh, adjust uh, the the assets. And uh, if you move it back to iPad, it works properly. It will recognize those images as being uh, at the appropriate scale. Uh, but, you know, that would be really great to be able to do that natively on device without the need to open up the Mac and uh, just shuffle the, the files around. Yeah. So um, with 2X and 3X... Is the iPad, mm -hmm. like, uh, the requirements, is, like, iPhone, does it require 3X and iPad because you're looking at it further away, more of a 2X kind of necessity, or are they both the same? Uh, so it depends. Uh, let me, give me a second. Sure. Um, there's a great resource from paid code app about uh, device resolutions. So when it comes to... Um, when it comes to iPads, uh, I think, but maybe mistaken here, that all of them are uh, use the 2x resources, and uh, iPhones like uh, Pro Max and Max you will use the 3x resources, uh, because this depends, you know, on screen density and things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, they they use uh, the resource that has best scale to look uh, look best on that on that screen gotcha yeah so um you've used uh, playgrounds now a little bit here mm -hmm. what's um what's your take on like for a brand new novice someone that's never really coded before are the playground mm -hmm. tutorials in there enough to get someone writing an app or do you need to go to some kind of coding resource on the web to kind of get your start and learn how to do this mm-hmm so uh, even before Playgrounds 4, uh, before the possibility and the promise, you know, to develop the entire app on iPad and push it to App Store, uh, the Playgrounds app had a lot of tutorials, uh, starting with like a robot game that, you know, you just give a, a little robot some instructions to move forward, turn, turn left, uh, grab, pick something up. Yeah, it really uh, makes coding fun. Yeah. If, if coding was all that fun of just guiding robots around, <laughs> I'd be a pro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so th that that game is uh, more of an introduction to Swift yeah. and uh, you know ba basic principles of coding, like uh, loops or if statements, things like that. Uh, and uh, when it comes to apps, uh, this is obviously a little more complicated, right? Because you get all the and you get the entire uh, iOS or iPadOS ecosystem and all the libraries that come with it. Uh, I saw that, I'm not sure if this was also available before Playgrounds 4, but it's definitely included in Playgrounds 4. Uh, it's another set of such uh, tutorials uh, that move uh, uh, move you, you know, through building a simple app. 
okay. so definitely definitely sounds like a great start yeah uh, i haven't uh, walked haven't you know uh, clicked through all of them uh, so I cannot speak to the extent and complexity of apps that uh, they teach, right? Uh, but yeah, it does sound like a great start to get uh, some foundation to get you going. And then, uh, you know, you can start researching uh, topics and problems uh, when you need and encounter them. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I was just learning how to just use the Mac, just the Mac alone back <laughs> 2006, uh, you know, I was couldn't figure out how to do something. So you look it up, uh, look up a little tutorial on YouTube or something and figure it out that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, no shame in doing that, uh, especially if it's something, some things you use rarely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's quite easy to, to forget something, right? It's important to know that it's doable. Right, yeah. So um, the experience of coding on an iPad, from what I've heard, it seems like it's just very fast and fluid compared to kind of the build times of Xcode and waiting for it to get over to an iPad to test. Has that been your experience? Like, what's the just experiential difference uh, on iPad versus mm-hmm. Mac coding? Uh, yeah, it, it does feel quicker. Uh, I guess... Part of it uh, is definitely how, how the system works, right? So, uh, like on iPad, the app that is in the foreground definitely gets the most processing time or the only processing time, right? Uh, while on on the Mac, you you get all you rarely have only one app open, right? Yeah. Uh, one one program, so that that takes some time. But um, the other thing is probably um, I haven't you know tried building. Uh, a complex project on on iPad, something as big uh, as some of the apps I've been working on previously that have uh, hundreds, if not uh, thousands of source code files, uh, because that's like a totally different scale of right. the problem, right? Yeah. So uh, for, for the parts that I've worked on uh, on the iPad, uh, it definitely feels uh, way snappier, way faster, uh, both when it comes to, to using the live previews and when it comes to you know, running the app. Gotcha, yeah. In Swift UI, I have heard, can take a, a very beefy Mac to make that something fun to work in. And that, that's been no issues with the iPad uh, Pro? Uh, yeah, so as I said, the, the live previews that, that you get there with, with Swift UI, uh, they are really snappy uh, because they render almost instantly. Uh, but then again, uh, I uh, say this has a lot to do with the size of the project. Yeah. Uh, because uh, one one of the most common complaints around uh, SwiftUI previews on, in Xcode on Mac uh, were uh, folks were complaining about timeouts being thrown uh, and stating that the the preview engine allowed only you know thirty seconds or sometimes even five seconds. Uh, for the update to render, which in uh, bigger code bases can be a pretty pretty uh, tight limit for for that to work. So, uh, if you weren't uh, able or didn't want to use some time to extract uh, that that view hierarchy to to smaller parts, uh, it definitely could uh, could take uh, some time and. 
uh, a lot of resources to 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 render them. Yeah, something I would love to see one day is a way to more graphically build a UI for an app, like somehow have mm-hmm. it translate like the Newton did or the Notes app now does of like I'm drawing this thing have it know what that is and translate in that in the code that I can later clean up if I need to. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. ever going to be a thing or if you think that's <laughs> an important thing to get more people into the door. Uh, there was uh, you know something similar in Xcode. Uh, the, there's a tool part of Xcode uh, called Interface Builder that uh, allows you to to let's say do that, right? So, yeah. Uh, you get you get a file with a storyboard extension, and you can drag uh, all the contr- view controllers and views in there, uh, arrange them, and then just connect them to the to to code, right? Yeah. Um, there are different uh, uh, different people like it. Different people don't like it. Uh, it gets tricky working with those files in in bigger teams uh, because if you get merge requests. Uh, um, sorry, merge conflicts on them. Uh, it's not that straightforward to, to resolve them. Um, when it comes to, to Swift Playgrounds, uh, there is no such tool built in. Uh, and basically, even on Xcode, if you uh, use a Swift, start a Swift UI project, right? Uh, you also don't get uh, those default storyboard files uh, that you'd normally do. I guess this kind of banks on the promise of those SwiftUI live previews, right? Yeah. You don't need to uh, design uh, the app visually if the code renders so quickly that you basically uh, just see live updates as you type the changes, right? As you right. change colors or, or setting. Uh, that being said, I wouldn't be you know surprised if uh, if design tools such as uh, I don't know Sketch or Figma uh, already, for example, provided uh, a feature to uh, export design to Swift UI code or oh, that'd be very cool. resembling that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I know Figma actually just came out with uh, Figma Fig Jam or something uh, today. So we're talking so a new iPad app. So yeah, I'd be curious if okay. that's something they would do at some point. Yeah. So um, as far as size classes, there's no way, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, in Swift Playgrounds to write just an iPhone app. And to test an app that you want for iPhone, you kind of have to put it in the smallest size class in split screen. Is that, mm-hmm. um, is that an okay solution for now? Just playing around with the split screen to get it, you know, sort of iPhone-like? Uh, uh... Layout wise, I'd say it's it's pretty good okay. uh, because uh, uh, the width is uh, I think the same size class on uh, as as on uh, iPhones, right? Uh, the the regu- uh, compact size class for width. Uh, when it comes to function functionalities, though, uh, you know if you want to to release the app also on iPhones. I'd uh, recommend uh, strongly uh, to test uh, test on a real device because you know uh, some functionalities differ between uh, the iPad and the iPhone. Uh, for example, multitasking is way different, right? Yeah. Uh, be- before iOS 15, we didn't have uh, drag and drop between apps on on iPhone. So, right. uh, you know, if you if your app was all about that. Then uh, and you tested it only on iPad, released it also on iPhone. Then you wouldn't get this. Uh, the, the user experience wouldn't be there, right? Yeah. So so yeah. Uh, f- for testing, uh, for testing layout, uh, for me it 
it sounds good. Uh, for testing functionalities, get get a device and test on the device. Gotcha. And uh, Swift Playground testing, the camera and all those kind of hardware features, they're available for mm-hmm. you in the test. Is that right? If you're using Swift Playgrounds 4, uh, it's as if you were, you know, uh, testing from Xcode on a real device, right? So yeah. you get access to all those hardware features, uh, most notably uh, the camera you, you mentioned, for example, right? Uh, because you, you can't get that working on uh, Mac uh, on Mac in a, in iOS simulator, as far as I know. Uh, so you'd get access to that. You get access to, you know, real GPS, uh all the NFC f- features, if you are using them, and mm-hmm. whatever whatever other sensors and and features of the device you have there. Excellent. And uh, anything else on Swift Playgrounds four that you want to chat about before we start to wrap it up? Oh man, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't. Well, uh, one thing uh, I guess it. I hope that you know Apple uh, does work on this app because. Uh, it has potential uh, for me. Uh, as I said, it has really great potential uh, for newcomers to to Swift and Apple ecosystem development. Uh, you know, iPad may not be the cheapest device, but it's still a little bit cheaper than a Mac. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, like a gate, it could be considered like a gateway device to to uh, Apple ecosystem development. Uh, so yeah, I, I really, really do hope you know that Apple works and that provides uh, bridges the gaps that are still there uh, with each version of, of Swift Playgrounds, uh, so that one day we may uh, reach some sort of parity between this and Xcode, uh, or maybe one day they actually decide to kind of ditch Swift Playgrounds and just move Xcode to, to iPad. Or we not? get Xcode 10, which is like Playgrounds and steroids <laughs> in Xcode, as we know it is dead. <laughs> yeah. That, that that could also be be really interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, the amount of features in Xcode and the fact that it supports not only Swift and Objective-C, but also some other languages to some extent... Uh, it probably would be, I don't know, uh, a little too big to to bring bring to iPad uh, as a whole, right? Yeah. With all that uh, legacy stuff uh, still lingering there. Uh, but with what they started with Swift Playgrounds for, if they build upon it, uh, this has a real, real nice potential to be a great tool uh, to start learning. Uh, development to you know maybe as a workshop tool uh, for some quick uh, quick code writing mm-hmm. or some prototyping. Yeah, yeah. I'd really love, really like, I'd really like to see what they do with it. Absolutely, and yeah. Hopefully, every year at uh, WWDC, there's a big update, and you know we get yeah. more and more of those missing features. And mm-hmm. how, how cool would it be if there was an external display and you could be live testing on the iPad and working on the code on the external display that'd be kind of neat so there, there's a lot of stuff they could add to this thing uh yeah i, I haven't connected an external display to the ipad yet there's I, not much reason is that to, supported? to be fair it is supported but it just mirrors the display oh okay just yeah. mirrors so you can't have like uh two two desktops no. separately no you can get okay. slightly you can get better ergonomics i guess <laughs> mm-hmm. that's about it yeah because you can okay. use the trackpad uh, external trackpad and keyboard to navigate around but yeah they haven't really done much with the 
display support yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap it up? Uh, not really. Okay. <laughs> I was really a little exhausted. To yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is uh, very late your time. Um, so I understand that. Yeah. St- that 10 p.m. in Poland. Uh, yeah. It- um. Well. Where can people fo- follow you online and uh, get their get get uh, Playground Tester to start using that for themselves? Uh, yeah, so a Playground Tester is uh, available uh, publicly on GitHub. Uh, you can also find it uh, in Swift Package Index. Okay. Uh, so uh, you can you can get it there. Uh, as when it comes, you know, to to, to me, uh, I'm on Twitter uh, with the at uh, Loshovati handle. Uh, so um, I'm not a very active poster yet, but uh, I, I do hope to get my ball rolling uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been really great chatting with you and learning more about this awesome tool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a nice experience. Well, that was my interview with Pavel. Make sure to check out his Twitter at L-O-S-I-O-W-A-T-Y. And if you're a developer, check out Playground Tester. My thanks to him for his time recording, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. If you want to support the podcast, you can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash iPodPros, or subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts. Apple just adds support for MP3s in the Apple Podcasts for paid subscriptions, so we will know very soon here if that means chapter markers are coming back in Apple Podcasts. My thanks to everyone that supports the Patreon and subscribes in Apple Podcasts. With that, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to everyone again real soon.